Isn't that great? Come on now. I know some of us are highbrow Baptists rather than the lowbrow Baptists that I was raised with, but my goodness, that was dancing music. You know, we talked a lot about Baptists shouldn't dance, but we did a lot of dancing that we didn't call dancing. And I think some bard of days gone by said a rose by any other name. Who said it? Anybody know? A rose by any other name still smells. Who said it? Shakespeare. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Bill. Bill Shakespeare. William Joseph Rufus Robert Shakespeare, catfish. Okay, y'all ready? Hey, listen, I don't know if you've heard, but I get excited in this message. Uh, I know some of you were told uh, if you're going to walk in the worship gathering today, you better bring your seatbelt. I know some of you are told that, and I'm not denied it. It's, it's, it's going to get fiery here in a minute uh, because we are talking about heaven. And guys, if, if talking about heaven doesn't delight your soul, then there's something wrong with your soul. As we look today at heaven, and, and, and this is the last in a series of messages we've been looking at, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Today, if you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 21. Let me tell you a little bit about heaven. And, and as we get there, uh, let me talk a little bit about the connection between who we are as a church and, and, and heaven. You see, the, the, re, the, reason, the reason we have such a big vision as a church, a 10-year vision that is enormous and, 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 and uh, bigger than anything we could ever accomplish. The reason we have this grand vision is because heaven. It's because heaven. And, and we, as followers of Jesus, we have experienced the benefit of heaven. We uh, know that that is our home, that we are pilgrims passing through this earthly plane, and we're going to our home in heaven. But friends, as the church called First Norfolk, called by God, gathered together as his people, we have been commissioned to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. It's the picture of the great banquet, the messianic feast of heaven in Luke chapter 14 where, where, where the master, Jesus tells the story of this great feast and he's talking about heaven and, and he says the master who would be God, master of, uh, of the house was still in this great feast and, and he invited people to come and, and, and one after the other had excuses and then, then, then the master got angry and he said, okay, well you go everywhere. You go to the village square. You go up and down the streets. You go to the wrong side of the tracks and you get as many people as you possibly can to come to my table for this feast is ready and my house needs to be full. And friends, that's a picture of what we're supposed to be about this side of heaven. We're supposed to be working diligently as followers of Jesus with our friends, with our neighbors, uh, helping as many as we possibly can escape the, the torment of hell and find the delight of heaven. Why do we have this grand vision that sees thousands of our members gathered together uh, in 10 different locations in, ha- in the seven cities of Hampton Roads? Why do we have that vision? Why do we have a vision of planting 20 churches in the next 10 years? Why do we have that vision? Why do we have a vision of 1,500 life groups where individual family members, uh, family of faith members get together and help those who are far from God find life in Christ? Why? Why? Because heaven. We need to help people get to heaven. And if you don't care about people getting to heaven, then you need to evaluate the condition of your own soul. If you don't care about people going to heaven or hell, then 
Friends, you need to evaluate whether or not you're a follower of Jesus. If your greatest priority in life is yourself and it doesn't have any kind of pain toward those who are far from God, if that's who you are, then you need to evaluate whether or not you're a follower of Christ or whether your heart has grown so hard toward God that you become a navel-gazing, self-centered, selfish individual like that. God help the church. You know why a church is anemic? It's not because of, 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 of bad preaching or bad singing or bad programming. What makes a church anemic is the fact that they've lost sight, that they are headed for heaven, and they're supposed to help as many people as they possibly can to get there. What makes a church anemic is it's filled with people tarting at the leadership, and they're so consumed with self and selfish ambition and their own personal desires and their own preferences, they're not worried about the kingdom of God. They're all consumed with the kingdom of me, and that's what kills churches. And God help us, we're not that church, nor will we ever be. I pray. We're sitting here and we have the opportunity to advance God's kingdom. And and that's why we're doing Volvo location and other locations around the seven cities of Hampton Roads is because we care about the 70,000 people within a three-mile radius of the Volvo location. And, and we care about what's happening here at Kinsville. I'm excited about what God will do eventually at this location. We sit at the crossroads of Hampton Roads, and, and I can't think of a better location than where we are today. If you're going to the beach, pretty much guaranteed to pass by First Norfolk. If you're going to the peninsula, guaranteed pretty much get to pass by First Norfolk. If you're going to Chesapeake or Suffolk from Virginia Beach, you're pretty much guaranteed to pass by First Norfolk at our Kimsville location. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the future. But right now, we're in a bottleneck. Right now, we, we're struggling at this location. I walked around the parking lot at, at 9.30, in between 8 and 9.30, and and everything was full. Everything was taken. All the parking was done. And we're parking people off-site. We're parking people around the corners. And it's full. And I thank God for everybody that's there. But my soul, we got a problem. It's a challenge when you have 300 and some odd parking spots taken away. And, and then you see all these cranes and all the dust flying and people driving by. And they think, is that church really continuing to go? Are they still having church there? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that. That's a problem. And so as part of the answer to that problem is Volvo. Volvo helps us continue to give some sort of relief to this location, but at the same time, open up the door of reaching people who are far from God, helping them find life through faith in Jesus Christ. We've got this vision and we've got to pursue it. And so, so I want to ask you, are you going to be part of that mission at Volvo? And you don't have to be. That's okay. You're part of the mission here at Kimsville. You're part of the mission at Volvo. Or maybe you're in the uh, uh, Iglesia del Camino, uh, uh, maybe at our, our Hispanic Fellowship. Or, 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 uh, and that's okay. I'm, uh, we're one church in many different locations. That's awesome. We're, we're one church. There's no competition. But maybe, just maybe, God is planting on your heart a, a, a questioning, a, a, a yearning, a desire, maybe even just... I thought, should I be part of what's going to happen at Volvo, at Volvo location? At the end of each row, there are these cards. And essentially, the card is it's not asking for a commitment. It's just uh, asking you if you have an interest. And I don't have one of those cards because I gave mine away. But if you have that card, 
Everybody take the cards at the end of the rows, pass them down. Everybody take one. You don't have to fill it out if you're not interested, and, and you, don't, you sense God has you firmly fixed here. Uh, Robert, my man. Y'all give Robert a hand. He is a champion. Thank you, Robert. Uh, so this card, there's a little box that says, I'm interested. Now, underline interested. That doesn't mean I'm committed. It doesn't mean that they're going to hound me until I go. If you, are, you don't sense God calling you out there, guys, we want you here. We want you where God wants you as part of First, First Norfolk family, okay? First Norfolk at Kempsville or First Norfolk at Volvo, we're one church. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to know if you are interested. We need to get some people together. And so if you are, if you would check that box uh, or you have questions, if you're committed, write committed on there. Uh, that, that'll help us too. But if you're not committed, you're just interested, check that box. Give us a name, phone number, an email address or whatever, and uh, that will help us. Now, you hold on to these. You can put them in the offering boxes as you leave or at the end of the service. You can bring them up and lay them here at the altar. Um, uh, and, or you can give them to me uh, or one of the staff members uh, at the close of the service. Uh, but but the, reason, the reason we're doing Volvo it's because why in the world would we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? Make no mistake, we're investing, a hun, hun, we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars to start the location at Volvo. I mean, we spent $500,000 on the chapel. We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Volvo location. Now, why would we do that? Because heaven. Because heaven, because there are people dying without hope, because there are people drowning in a darkness of their own despair. They need Jesus and we need to go to them. And so we're establishing this neighborhood community of believers, First Norfolk at Volvo, and we're establishing this neighborhood church uh, uh, with 70,000 people within a three-mile radius. And we know not all 70,000 of those people are going to any church. They need Jesus. And so that's why we're doing it, because of heaven. Because the unsearchable riches of Christ provide the riches of heaven for those who belong to him. Now, in Revelation chapter 21, we see uh, John. These are the last few paragraphs and pages of, uh, of Scripture. And it closes with this vision of heaven. Uh, and, and so read along with me, Revelation 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. John writes, this is John the Apostle. John writes, now I saw a new heaven. By the way, can I, we stop for a second? If you say revelations, there's no such book in the Bible. Please, please. And this is one of me. This is me, and it, it's no big deal, I know. But please, have mercy on me. Call it revelation. Revelation. The book in the Bible is the book of... That's singular. Thank you. That was not edifying at all, I know. But whew, I feel better now. All right, so uh, now I saw, this is John the Apostle. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be the, and, and, 
and be their God. And, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Uh, there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And, he said, and, and then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write for these things are, uh, these words are true and faithful. And, and he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. When we talk about heaven, especially as we look at it here, and we're going to talk about it and we're going to look at it, but, but I, I want you to get the main point about heaven. See, heaven is not primarily about a place. And you'll hear me talk about heaven. You come to a funeral service that I do, man, I get wound up. I get wound up. If I know that person who, who, who has died, um, if I know that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, I get wound up because I want us to get a vision of heaven. And I'm going to talk about the pearly gates, and I'm going to talk about the crystal sea, and I'm going to talk about the golden streets. I, I want to talk about the place. See, heaven is, is a place, but it's not primarily about a place. When John talks about heaven, he's not primarily talking about a place. He's talking about a people in relationship with God at a particular place. But the primary focus of heaven is not a place. It's not the topography. It's not, it's not the extent, the width, the depth, the height of heaven. It's not where heaven is, whether up there or down here or over there. That's not the point of heaven. The point of heaven is a people in friendship and fellowship with the living God living forever with him. Now, when we think about heaven today, and as we look at this passage, what, what John does and what he writes from the Word of God, from the mouth of God, from God's mouth, to John's ear, on John's pen, to, on the stylus, to us today, when we receive what God has to say today about heaven, here's what we know. We know that heaven is, the, uh, is, is living uh, eternally, forever, in God's embrace. That's what heaven is. Heaven is living eternally in God's embrace. There are some hugs that change your life. Am I right? I, and maybe you haven't found that hug yet that's changed your life. For the better. I'm not talking about for the worser. But there are some hugs that will change your life. The hug of my dad when I had gone through some really bad, rotten times. I can still feel it. It wasn't one of these safe hugs. You know the safe hug that we usually give each other. It was a f just, just I'm, I'm, uh, I melted in his arms. And it, it, it gave me strength and courage and hope. The, the, the hug of my mama. The hug of my mama when I had disappointed her so badly. And, 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 and I mean, it just broke her heart. And seeing her face to face for the first time after I broke her heart so desperately, she opened her arms. She took me to herself. She weeping. I was weeping. But it changed my life. The love. The forgiveness. There's a hug that changes your life. My wife. I can't say it enough. Every hug she gives me changes my life because it reminds me of God's grace for me.
Every hug is a reminder of what I don't deserve and yet what she freely gives. Every hug that she offers me is a reminder of how much she loves me in spite of me and how much I love her. Notice there's not that last phrase. It's, it's not just one hug from my wife, but it's everyday hug from my wife that changes my life. It's the hug of my children. I, I, I can't tell you uh, how many times my daughters have come up and they've given me a hug, and that hug has changed me that day. Some hugs will change your life. I'm talking about the embrace that delivers warmth when our soul has grown cold. That, that embrace that delivers uh, hope to chase away despair. That, 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 that hug that, that gives us courage when our daily diet has mostly been fear. It's, it's that kind of hug that changes your life. And that's what heaven is. See, heaven is the Father's hug that changes our life, changes our eternity. Uh, heaven is all about God. It's not about me. It's all about God. Uh, it, verse 3, I just want you to key in on verse 3 for a second. It says, uh, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The term tabernacle, he, he will dwell, the tabernacle of heaven uh, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell. There are two words there. Tabernacle is the Greek word skene, and then the verb for skene is dwell, and he will dwell with them. That, that verb for, for dwell is skenao, and, and both of those are the picture of, uh, 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 of someone uh, pitching a tent, you know, just setting up a tent. And so when we see this, this verb and this noun used in reference to God, it immediately draws us back to the Old Testament. You remember the Old Testament where the children of Israel were getting out of the land of bondage. God was leading them by day and by night through the uh, land of wilderness and, and gave, him, gave them his law. But, but then he established a tabernacle when it finally found out that they were going to be there for a few years. He established this tabernacle to remind them of his presence, a daily reminder, a constant uh, picture of his ma majesty and his presence and his power and his provision. And the tabernacle was a big tent and it held the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments and, and, and everywhere they went, they would set that, that tabernacle up and, and, and the people could always look toward the tabernacle. They couldn't always couldn't go in the tabernacle, but they could always look toward the tabernacle and they'd say, there is God's presence with us. We are safe. And that's, that's the picture here. It's the picture of, of God saying, I am with you. You are safe. And that's a beautiful picture. But even more so than the Old Testament picture is what we see in John chapter 1, verse 14. The, the Greek word in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt 
The Greek word for dwelt is skenao, same one we have here. The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the picture of God shrinking his deity in the skin of humanity and, and showing us showing us his glory in the person of Jesus Christ, radiating his glory, his majesty, his perfection, his holiness. And Jesus walked around, and you know what he did. He taught the absolute truth of God. He healed the ones who were lame and maimed and couldn't see and couldn't walk and couldn't hear and who were dead. And he taught them uh, how that they could know God. He showed them how that they might know God. And he went to a cross, and he died for sinners, and he was raised from the dead so that we might know know God. Here is the glory of God on display. God with us, Jesus. But then Jesus, the tabernacle was taken down. As Jesus ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, he poured his spirit within us, and that gives us a taste of God's presence every day, gives us an immediacy of God's presence in our life, but something new is going to happen. Heaven is about something new happening, something, something miraculous, something powerful that we don't see. I see a new heaven and a new earth uh, for the old heaven and the old earth have passed away. The new Jerusalem has descended out of heaven and God has given it to us. And here's what God says about it. I am with you and I am your God and you are my people. No longer separated by distance, but now with absolute nearness. And friends, that's what heaven is all about. You see, many of us, what we try to do is we try to get to verse 4. Verse 4 says, and there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more grief, no more hurt, no more... You know, we get there because we like that. And, and when we talk about heaven, we, we like to talk. There's no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more tears. We, we like that, and, and we certainly should. But that's not the point of heaven when we talk about heaven so often. We just go straight to the pearly gates or, or straight by the crystal sea or, or straight by the, the enormity of it and the, the mansion that Jesus prepared for us. That's heaven. No, guys, that's, that's benefit of heaven, but heaven is not about those things. The, 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 what heaven is about is God. God is what makes heaven heaven. Without God, there is no heaven. And when we get to heaven, we get to heaven to be in friendship and fellowship with God himself. That's what heaven is all about. Now, some of the reason that churches get off kilter and some of the reasons we get off kilter as followers of Christ is that we don't care that much about being in friendship with God. We want what God can give us. But we're not that delighted about God. Can I, can I just suggest perhaps today that if you don't get fired up about being in the presence of God, then you've got some work to do as a follower of Jesus. I know I do. I get so distracted by, oh, I didn't like that song. How many times do you say, oh, I can't worship God, I don't like that song. By the way, that's not a generational malady. Because I've heard young and old say it alike. Can I tell you, your focus is wrong. It's not the song, nor is it the tune, nor is it the nature of the song. It's who the song is about. You realize when we get to heaven, there are going to be all kinds of different songs. You realize that? All kinds of different languages singing those songs. People from South America, they don't do things the way 
highbrow Baptists do. Hillbillies in East Tennessee don't do things the way Presbyterians do. You go to church in Tanzania, and when they start singing, man, it seems like heaven's coming down, but you don't understand anything they're saying, and they don't have any music, musical instruments except a drum that they beat. We talk about songs we like or don't like and act like that's what worship is all about, friends. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And it's distracting us from what heaven is supposed to be. Good news is when we get to heaven, we won't have that kind of distraction. We'll be fully focused on the one who makes heaven delightful. And that is God himself. Heaven is living forever in the embrace of God. And what does that do? What's the benefit of that? Well, it means that heaven is living forever in perfect peace. See, the benefit of living forever in the embrace of God is living in perfect peace. Um, It's it's in that moment where we are in the presence of God and and, and, uh, on this side of eternity, here and now, in this place, on this side of eternity, we know the, the, that intimate strength of God's presence. We have a taste of heaven itself by his spirit who, who dwells within us. Yet, yet we long to have that, that heavenly hug. This side of heaven, this side of heaven, followers of Jesus will forever struggle with thirst. Our soul will forever struggle with thirst until we drink from that pool of the water of life uh, in the nearness of the living God in heaven brought to us by Jesus, unfettered and unfurled by any of the distractions that come upon us. You see, when we look at this passage, we see that there is perfect peace because there is an undiluted, un, unbarrier, uh, uh, un, unbarrier, unobstacle. No, uh, there is undiluted. There is, there's no barrier between us. Sorry, there's no barrier. You always got to do it. You all have no idea what goes on in my mind while I'm speaking. There, there's no barrier. There's no distraction. There's no, why? Well, Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. You know what happens in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10? The devil is gone. The demons are gone. Sin is defeated. All the horde of hell itself have been squashed. They've been put in their place. And they are no longer distracting the people of God, oppressing the people of God, tempting the people of God. No longer do we have the stain and the shame and the pain and the struggle and the temptation of sin. Now all we have, all we have is God. And that's going to be enough. And so when we get to heaven, we've got that that, 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 that wonderful provision where questions that cannot be answered this side of heaven are finally answered. Pains that cannot be comforted this side of heaven are finally comforted. Temptations are no more and sin sting no longer swarms around us. And it's in his presence we live in perfect peace. Perfect peace comes from God. And and can I tell you, if you're here today and you're not experiencing peace as a follower of Jesus, if you feel a little disjointed here in the church, if if, if you say, well, that church is not for me because of blah, 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 can I tell you that one of the reasons you're disjointed, when I'm disjointed among the people of God, it's not everybody else's fault. Got to stop blaming everybody else. 
If you feel disjointed among the people of God at First Norfolk, it's because perhaps 99.9% of the time, it's because of your lack of full obedience to God. I got to tell you, if I'm disjointed in this church, if I, if I feel out of sorts, if I feel out of whack, I don't blame you. I'm not saying you're to blame because I feel out of sorts. I have to look here and say, how am I disconnecting myself from the peace of God that he provides when I'm obedient to him? Same thing's true for you. See, the heavenly vision teaches us that we need to prepare for heaven this side of it. Now, there is going to be a day, and I can't wait for the day, when all the distractions and all the divisions and all the struggles and all the troubles and all the things that cause me grief, all those things that hurt my soul, all those things that derail my motivation for God's glory, all those things are going to be done away with. They're not going to be anymore. I'm going to be in the presence of God, and my greatest delight is going to be living in his embrace and his holy hug, and he is going to take away no all the struggle and pain and difficulty that I've been dealing with day after day after day. But friends, that's what happens in heaven. Undiluted friendship with God brings perfect peace. And so as we're walking from here to heaven, we need to think about it. We need to set our mind on heavenly things, even as we're walking these earthly streets. We need to set our mind on heavenly things. And what I mean by that is is we need to think about it. There's going to be a day where there's no more broken homes, no more broken promises, no more broken dreams, no more broken bodies, no more broken health, no more broken hopes. Temptations are gone. Sin is killed. And all we have is the delight of God's presence. But can I tell you, heaven is all about the delight of God's presence. It's not about anything else. And this is, this is what caused some philosophers to say, I'd just soon not go to heaven. If all you have in heaven is the worship of one thing, I'd just soon not go. That's the way some people feel. That's certainly the way some of us act and live. We better get ready. Heaven is all about celebration of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if he is not your supreme delight, then you need to adjust your, your, your delights. So when, when we think about heaven, we need to think about, about verse 4 and, and think about the benefit of verse 4. But I need to end with this. And I, just, I, 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 I would not be a pastor worth his salt if I didn't end with this. Only Christ's followers will enjoy the delight of heaven. Now, I want you to hear that. Students, I want you to hear this because this is not what you're taught and this is not what your friends will say or think. So everybody look this way and listen. Wake up! Okay, just, they've been a disciple now. They, they, they've struggled. They've done pretty good, just to be honest. They haven't snored out loud. I hadn't seen too many people slobbering, so they've done a pretty good job. I want you all to hear this. Every person has an eternal destiny, and it is either heaven or hell. And there's no third option. Every person in this room is going to either heaven 
or hell. And there's no third option. And the only people that are going to heaven are the people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it clearly that he is the only way to the Father. There's none other. There are no other options and no other ways to get to God. There's no other option or other way to get to heaven. And if you don't get to heaven, then, friends, you're spending eternity in hell. There's no other option. Your buddies and your friends who have a different philosophy or a different idea set or a different way of looking at life, that's, that's fine if, if, if you want them to go to hell. But we don't want them to go to hell. For the love of Christ constrains us, compels us. We believe this, that if one died for all, then all have died, and Jesus died for all, so that we who live should live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. You're here today, and if you're a follower of Jesus going to heaven, then you need to care about your friend that's going to hell. And if they're not a follower of Jesus, they're going to hell. Some of you might have been in this room, and and maybe you've been worshiping uh, in this church for decades and decades and decades, and and you're sitting here and you're saying, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hell because I'm a Baptist. I've been a Baptist. I've been a member of First Baptist Church in Norfolk for for 40 years, for 50 years, for 60 years. I was baptized when I was six years old, and so I'm, I'm for sure going to heaven. And if that's your only confidence that you joined the church because you got wet in a baptistry and you've been showing up here for two or three or four or five, six decades, if that's all you got, then I'm fearful you're going to hell. Because being at a church does not get you to heaven any more than being in a bar gets you to heaven. I want you to hear that. Showing up in a building does not get you to heaven You might say, well, I'm, I, I'm a good guy. I have friends, and y'all think this. I've got friends that are good guys. They, they make good choices. They're, they're genuinely good people. And, 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 and I, why aren't they going to heaven? Because they don't know Jesus. And there's none of us good, not one, the Bible says. Some of you are here today, and you've been counting on yourself being a good man or a good woman. You've been living a good life. You, after all, are a good moral American, and you vote right during the politics. You think that's all there is, and I'm telling you right now, I'm fearful that you're going to hell. The only confidence you have in this life is what you do. If that's all you've got in this life, then I can tell you what you do is not good enough to get you to heaven. Being in a church does not make you fit for heaven. Being a moral person does not make you fit for heaven. Making good decisions doesn't make you fit for heaven. There is nothing that you or I can do to make ourselves fit for heaven. The only hope we have is that Jesus died on a cross for us and that he was raised from the dead so that we might have forgiveness through faith in him and a new life because of his resurrection. Today, if you have not placed your life fully in the hands of Jesus, then I fear you are going to hell. No, I don't fear. I know. You're going to hell. I know it's not popular to talk like this. But verse 8, you know, verse 8 lists a bunch of sins that all of us at some level have done, especially if you read the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus describes some of these sins. But what God says about in verse 8 is that people who commit those sins 
they're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Hell. Well, if we've committed those sins, then does that not destine us to a lake of fire? Sure it does. Absolutely. Except unless we've been covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We've been clothed in His righteousness through faith in Him. Unless we've received God's grace. You see, those who go to hell are the ones who reject the grace that God provides through faith in Jesus Christ. And you've got friends that are going to hell, and I've got friends that are going to hell. And I'm afraid that there are some in this room right now who are going to hell. And I pray that you would choose Christ today. See, to be heavenly-minded means that we need to focus in, lean into the truth that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And there's no third option. And the only people who are going to heaven are the people who are followers of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us today? How do we live in light of that? There are two things I'd ask you to do. The first is if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're just a religious person showing up at church, if you're just a dunked person or a person who's said, gone through catechism and, and, or, or whatever the religious expression you follow, if that's all you've got, then I beg you today, choose Jesus. Let go your pride. Let go your, 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 your respectability and just say, I am nothing apart from Jesus. I need to choose Jesus. I need to bow before his feet and ask him to cover me with his forgiving love. Choose Jesus today. Repent your sin. Place your faith in Jesus. His death on the cross is the only sufficient payment for your sin. His resurrection from the dead is the only way to guarantee your new creation in heaven. Some of you that's exactly what needs to happen today. So I'm asking you first and foremost if you're If you're not certain of your relationship with the living God, don't risk an eternity in hell. But choose Christ today. The second thing I ask you to do is, as a follower of Jesus, if you indeed are a follower of Jesus, I'm asking you to choose to walk across the room and share heaven with someone who doesn't have it. What in the world are we doing? playing games with our friends and acting like it's okay and never talking to them about the only hope they have for an eternity in heaven. What in the world are we doing playing these games, acting like it's okay? Friends, will you walk across the room and share heaven with somebody this week? As part of that, if you're here and and you know that God has uh, sparked in your heart a yearning and a desire to at least get some information about Volvo location, you take take that card and maybe bring it up here at the altar and and just say, God, I, I, I give this moment to you and I'll be obedient to whatever you ask me to do. Guys, heaven demands a life that's focused on heaven even as we live in this earth. We, as followers of Christ, are citizens of heaven, making our way through this world. We are not citizens of this world trying to find our way to heaven. Let's live with our hearts delighting in God's glory. And let's serve heaven today.